So I just wanted to give everybody a couple of ideas on how you might be able to change your property investment strategy and make a bit more money, maybe. If you've got a property at the moment that you currently have rented out, then there's a couple of things that you can do that increases the income. Now it also increases the expenditure, but the idea being that if you increase the income enough and you increase the expenditure as little as possible, then you can make a bit more profit. So if you are currently a buy-to-let property investor, a buy-to-let landlord, then you can do one of three things to improve your income, your profit, your wealth, and so on. So tip number one is you can turn your property into a HMO. Now, it sounds really obvious. You've probably heard the term HMO before. If you haven't, it's a house of multiple occupancy, which means, put simply, you're renting it out room by room as a roomlet or a house share, something like that. Now, there are loads and loads of rules and regulations and legislation around HMO properties. Uh, room sizes, communal area sizes, number of people living in the property. No, there's tons. It's there's, there's a whole different video. Uh, if you want some help, by the way, on HMO or some advice on how to make sure that you don't get a huge penalty, they're really focusing on HMO properties at the moment, the councils and the government. Uh, but if you want some help on that, just contact me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk, and I will connect you with my lettings team for um, some support, for some advice and guidance. Anyway, so HMO property, roomlets, house, house shares, whatever you want. Now, the first thing that does is increase the income that comes into the property, right? Because if you would normally rent a house out, and I'm just using a nice round figure here, if you would normally rent a, uh, a three or a four bedroom house out, let's say for a thousand pounds a month, you might now be able to rent out each room for 400 pounds a month, or maybe even 450, but 400 is a nice easy number, so I'll use that. But you could use, let's say, three of the bedrooms, or sorry, three bedrooms uh, to rent out, that's 1,200 pounds a month, and you could probably turn one of the reception rooms into, or the lounge, into a uh, another bedroom that you could rent out room by room. And that's another £400. You could turn your £1,000 a month rental property into a £1,600 a month rental property. The management fees are normally about the same. You will need to check with your mortgage lender that they're okay with a HMO. Same with your insurance providers, just to make sure you're covered if you need to. Uh, but that's one quick way that you could turn a standard buy to let house into more income. Now, before you just go ahead and do that, a couple of things that you need to know. A HMO property is a much higher risk property. So yes, you're getting an extra 60% on top of the normal rent you would achieve as a buy to let, but with that comes some risks. So first of all, there's a risk in the void periods. There's, with HMOs and roomlets and house shares and things like that, there is a faster turnaround of tenants. Now, that basically means that you're gonna have, you're, you're always gonna have 
periods of time in the year where that one of those rooms or more is going to be empty. So the tip there is to try and work out your prices to make sure that you can afford to have a couple of rooms empty for one or two months every year. And if you calculate it like that and it still works, it might be a half decent move for you. Personally, I don't really like HMO unless there's a cracking deal in a cracking location, then I'll go for it. But as a, as a general investment rule, I like houses, I like standard buy-to-let properties that are just profitable. I try and aim for about 20% return on my cash. Um, but, you know, now I've got that secure uh, portfolio of safe, reliable, profitable properties, I have ventured into HMO. And I also have ventured into the second strategy, which I'll give you in a second. But yeah, remember that that property is going to have empty rooms at various points throughout the year. And that's okay, as long as you've calculated it correctly. The other increased risk is repairs and maintenance. For some reason, people that rent rooms don't tend to look after them as much as people that rent houses. And that's okay, again, because as long as you take it into account within your calculations, then you will be fine. It also means that you'll have to carry out more refurbishments more often, more carpets, more repainting, more repairs, plastering, things like that, flooring. It just means that people, there's more people going in and out of the property, more people using the property. And again, like I said just now, people in, in room lets, this is not always, but in general, most of the time, they don't look after the property as much as standard families and standard houses. So all in all, look, there's loads of other risks, and I'm not gonna go through them all today, but loads of risks that increase as you increase that revenue from a HMO. But as long as you've weighed up your risks versus that income, versus that profit, if you can afford to do it and it makes you more money, and you're okay with that increased pressure, that increased uh, hassle, if you like, because it is a hassle, then, um, then go for it, why not? And again, if you want some guidance on turning your property into a HMO, then I am more than happy to do it. I've, I'm, I'm in HMO myself, um, and also, as I said, in strategy number two, which I'm just about to give you. So uh, yeah, just reach out, give me an email, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk if you want some support on that. Strategy number two for turning your existing buy-to-let house or flat into a, a bigger income, more money, more profit, is serviced accommodation. You might have heard of that already, but serviced accommodation, in other words, is a holiday let an Airbnb, those types of properties that, you know, we're all looking at at the moment, aren't we? We're all trying to book holidays for places and we're looking at these Airbnb properties and we're thinking, oh, 150 pound for a night, that's all right. I get the whole place to myself, it's a nice area. So serviced accommodation or holiday lets is definitely a thing to consider. And I'm gonna give you some examples here and a few little stats that you need to try and work towards. So first, you need to work out the general occupancy for that area. If you go to a website, 
called Airbnb DNA, sorry, Air DNA, Airbnb DNA. Air, if you go to a website called Air DNA, it gives you an overview of holiday lets in that area. It's really useful. It gives you some guidance on how popular the properties are, what sort of properties people go for in that area. It will give you an idea whether yours is gonna be popular or not. Now, occupancy is a really important metric to keep your eye on. Occupancy is basically, uh, if you've got a, a property and there are 365 days of the year, but your occupancy level is only 50%, that means your room, sorry, your property is going to be occupied for only 50% of the year. So that means you're only gonna get 50% of the income. And if that still works for you, if that calculation works, go for it, why not? And I'll give you a couple of examples here. I'm gonna try and keep this really simple. If there are, say, 30 days in the month and you are charging 100 pounds per night, then that is a potential of 3,000 pounds in the month in income, which I hope you agree with. However, if you are only gonna fill that property up across the year for 50% of the time, then that is 1,500 pounds per month. Now, of course, that is gonna fluctuate throughout the year. There are gonna be much more popular times and much less popular times. So if you're filling it up 100% throughout most of the summer or for half the year, but you're filling it up at 50% for the other half of the year, then your total occupancy is gonna be 75%, which is pretty good. That's not bad. That will also give you about a couple of grand, let's just say 2,250 pound in income. Nice. So there is a definite income increase to be had from turning your, turning your buy-to-let property into serviced accommodation or holiday lets. And you would quite simply just advertise that property on Airbnb or booking.com, or you could have a website for it, use Facebook, all of those places. There's loads of ways you can advertise that property. Really good ways too. So that's that. Now, if you are going to increase the income, of course you are going to increase the risk. That is the way this works. That's the way investing works. Investing is awesome, but with increased reward comes increased risk. But as long as you know what that risk is and you've calculated that risk and you can still make profit in a reliable, robust and secure way, hey, go for it. Why not? Definitely go for it. So what are the risks? Risk number one is that you will have an increased cost at the beginning. You're, the way to think about holiday lets is exactly how you would think about it if you were looking for a holiday let. You want a hotel. That's what people want now. They want hotel quality, hotel standards, hotel style. And when you're looking for an Airbnb property, a booking.com property, a holiday let, you're looking at the furnishings, you're looking at the decor, you're looking at the local surroundings, you're looking at why would I go to that place? What's nearby? Who are you going to attract? 
So the risk is that you're gonna have a higher cost at the beginning because you're gonna to need to furnish this place to be superb. Now, yes, you could probably do a basic job. However, what I see in the holiday let market right now is the standards are going up and up and up and up, and there are more and more properties now that are of high quality, hotel-like quality and they're the ones that are getting snapped up. So if you wanna do a good holiday let from your property, then don't go cheap on the finishing, the furnishings, the fixtures, the fittings, the quality. Risk number two is that there is a much higher ongoing cost to that property. Now, most of the time that is on a bit of a pay-as-you-go basis, so you can calculate it. You, one of the most, one of the biggest challenges with holiday lets is linen. Who is going to change your linen every single day? The bed sheets, the duvet covers, all of those things need changing every single day. And that's fine if you can figure that problem out. The next thing is, how much of that linen do you have to buy? Who's gonna clean it? Now you can do a deal with your local laundrette. That's one way to do it. And every day, just drop the laundrette, drop, drop the linen, just drop the linen into the laundrette every single day. They get the job done nice and quick and then you just pick it up and there you go. That's another way to do it. But you'd have to do, it, do that deal with a local laundrette. If you haven't got a local laundrette, you'll need to find another solution. But one way or another, you have to have clean linen every single day. Well, for every single day that your property is booked as a holiday let. So try to remember that. And then you've got the cleaning. You also have to clean the property every single day that you have a booking. Now, there are some holiday lets that perhaps um, just, if you've got to say a three-day booking, they'll clean it at the beginning, they'll let the, the tenants or the occupants look after their own cleaning, and then they'll clean it at exit when that current booking exits. Fine. One way or another, you have to get that place cleaned and you, so you need a good cleaner. So you could do that yourself. You could do the linen yourself, of course you can. The point I'm trying to get to here is that is an increased cost, an increased risk. Um, if you're trying to run this like a business rather than taking on a second job. I know a lady, by the way, that we, we stayed in her Airbnb and it was like a little uh, annex next to their house. Lovely place, beautiful place. And she did it all herself. And I was chatting to her and she said, that she's getting a bit fed up with having to do this every day. She loves meeting the people. That's fine. Um, that's another thing that you'll have to do. You, you meet the people every day if you do it yourself. But she's getting a bit fed up with having to do all the bloody linen, all the cleaning, repairing everything, <laughs> doing all those types of things. Um, she's getting a bit fed up with it. So that is something you'll need to take on if you're going to do it yourself. And try to think of it as, do you want to take on a second job? If you don't, there are definitely management companies around. Now, my I will help you find a management company in your area or I will manage it for you. As a holiday let, my company provide a full, full holiday let management service, uh, which effectively takes you out of it. All you need to do is provide us with the property and then my company will manage it entirely from top to bottom, from bookings to cleaning, to linen, to repairs, to maintenance, to legislation, for all of those things. 
then my company can do that for you. And by the way, yes, that was a sales pitch. Of course it was. You know, why else would why else would I say it? <laughs> but it's if you want that service, then I am one option. My company is one option. There are plenty of other managing agents out there if you can find them. Um, if you want some recommendations in your area, give me a shout. I'll just link you up with somebody in your area. So that's strategy number two, which is holiday lets. And strategy number three is keep it as a buy to let. Now, wait, I know that that sounds really obvious. Oh, okay. So strategy number three, Tom, is leave it as it is. Brilliant. Well done. Let me just elaborate a little bit. If you've got a property right now that is currently rented out to tenants, there's a few things that you can do. Number one, obviously you can increase rents. Now, I'm not saying just ramp up the rents for no reason. But if you haven't increased that rent for a few years, you may well be entitled to increase the rent. Rents are going up. Now, I'm sorry, Mr. or Mrs. Tenant, if that sounds harsh. But if it was the other way round and you needed to pay bills, you needed that money to, to support your family, to support your income, then and the rents in that area are higher than is currently being charged, then it's only fair that rents go up in line with market values. So increasing the rents is, of course, one way to go to increase your income. Now, it's worth considering having an annual rent review with your property. Now, there's tons of legislation around rent increases, rent reviewing and things like that. But, oh, by the way, if you need some help with that, just let me know. Um, I, I'm happy to give advice, by the way. I, I'm happy if you want advice on if you're managing your own properties or you're with other agents who you're not feeling are very helpful, I'm happy to share advice, share knowledge um, as best I can. But yes, yeah, so increasing rent is one thing. Now, bear in mind, the tenant does have to agree to that rent increase, of course, um, uh, rent reviews and so on. Um, but just put it in place if it is available for you to do so. The next thing you could do is reduce your, in reduce your expenditure. And you can do that in so many different ways. You're probably paying out for mortgages, insurances, repairs, maintenance, management, all of those things. And the first thing I would do is have a mortgage review. If you have a mortgage, get a mortgage review. Again, if you want me to link you up with my own mortgage advisor, who is an investor himself and only works on investment, buy to let, bridging finance, those types of mortgages which means he is an expert in that field rather than just all. So if you want me to connect you up with my mortgage advisor, I certainly will. It can't hurt to find out what options you will have in the future. Even if your mortgage is not due for renewal today, it's later in the year or it's early next year or whatever it may be, have a chat with a mortgage advisor now to get some guidance and advice on what options might be available to you in the future. There's always something that you might have missed. You might not know. Even if you understand the mortgage world, you understand the property world, investment world, there is always someone who's in that industry, a mortgage person who's in the industry right now, who might have a little bit more insight, a little bit more uh, behind the scenes knowledge that will help you. And even if you don't use that mortgage advisor, you will have got the information, you will have been able to 
uh, work out whether it's worthwhile you doing something like that, remortgaging, refinancing and so on in the future. So that's one way to reduce your expenditure. I would say exactly the same thing for your insurances. If you are paying out for insurances, even if it's a fiver a month, a tenner a month, why not? If you can save yourself a tenner a month on your insurances, it's £120 a year, £1,200 in a decade, that pays for your boiler. Why not? And you don't have to do anything for this. You just let your insurance broker or my insurance broker, again, if you want me to connect you up with my insurance broker, email tom at pinkstreet.co.uk and I will just link you up with the person that will arrange that for you and give you the quotes and the information. Tenner a month. If you can just keep saving a tenner a month everywhere on everything you do, why not, eh? Why not? So that's another way. So look, you get the idea when it comes to decreasing your expenditure, increasing your revenue, your income. Um, those are a couple of ways. Now, there's one last little point when it comes to your existing buy-to-let <clears throat> and also with all the other strategies that I've just mentioned. With your existing buy-to-let, it might be worth selling and reinvesting. And I'm going to give you a, a bit more information on that because that sounds quite vague. It might be, you might look at your property now, you've had it for 10 years and it's increased in value by 100 grand. I'm just making this figure up. It's increased in value by 100,000 pounds, right? The property doesn't owe you anything because throughout that 10 years, it's been paying you rent and you've been making profit. Fantastic. You've had a nice little life off that, but now you've got an increased value of 100 grand. If you said to me, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, Tom, I've got a hundred grand. What could I do with it? I would be telling you that you could buy, I don't know, between five and eight properties over the next couple of years. Now, what you would effectively do is turn your existing buy-to-let property into much more. And when you get more properties, obviously you've got more income, but you also have spread risk. Because if you've got one property and one tenant is vacates, you've got all of your income gone until the next tenant starts paying rent. If you've got five properties and one tenant moves out, then you've got three quarters of your, four fifths of your income still coming in. Come on, Tom. It's early. It's early in the morning. Maths in the morning. Who knows? Anyway, do you see what I mean? But if one tenant moves out, then you've definitely got the rest of your properties bringing income uh, for you. So you'll always have income there. Also, if you have different styles of properties in different places and one little market drops a little bit, then you can guarantee that the other markets won't all follow. There's always going to be different markets that increase and there's always going to be different markets that decrease. So you're spreading your risk and any financial expert out there will absolutely be cheering that someone in property is talking about spreading risk, minimizing risk, increasing income, decreasing expenditure, maximizing profits. But the key to all of that is that it has to be reliable. You have to have calculated for the worst case scenario. What is the worst thing that could possibly happen and can I afford it if that thing happens? So <clears throat> that's that. And the last thing I wanted to talk to you about very briefly is the HMO part. And there is the option that you may be able to turn it into a commercial asset. 
I know, now we're getting complex. If you've got a HMO property with a certain number of rooms and they're all uh, within the legislation, they all comply with the current legislation, then you could apply for commercial finance. Why would you do that? Well, commercial finance would start looking at that asset, the property, as more of a business, which then means you can have the opportunity to borrow more. Why would you want to borrow more? If you can borrow more money on one asset, then you can buy more properties. Simple as that. So in, in finishing here, your strategies are with an existing buy-to-let property, turn it into a HMO, turn it into a holiday let, or maximize it as a buy-to-let investment. You then have other options. As I've mentioned, you can start looking at commercial finance. You could start looking at your insurances, your mortgages. You could borrow more. You could invest more. But the key to all of that is that it's got to be secure. It's got to be robust. It must be affordable in the worst case scenario. That's how I calculate all investments in everything I do. I calculate my business investments in what's the worst case scenario. If all goes horrifically wrong, can I still afford it? In my business, if I lost 50% of my customers, can I still afford to manage the business and run the business? Yes. If in my properties, if half of my tenants move out at the same time, can I afford to run my properties? Yes. That's the question you've got to ask yourself. And if you do that, you will be a very, very successful investor. I promise you, without doubt, in everything you do. So I hope that helps. Now look, just to recap very quickly on where I might be able to support you with this. Number one, obviously my core business is lettings and lettings management. It's my favourite part of the business. I love working with landlords because every landlords just have a different mentality. They have an investor mentality, whether you think you're an investor or not. You have chosen at some point along your life to keep a property. And that's what separates you from regular people into investors. Now, you could be a prolific investor. A, you could continually invest, a serial investor, or you could stay as you are. Uh, but I can support you with lettings and lettings management. I've got a couple of letting agents, a few letting agents around the south. Uh, I also manage portfolio landlords. It's a really popular part of my business at the moment. Portfolio landlords who have properties around the country what you would love, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but what would be really helpful is if you had one managing agent rather than multiple managing agents around the country and your single sole point of contact as a managing agent manages all of the contractors around the country, all of the other letting agents to get properties let out. That's what my company does as well. The other thing that I would definitely be able to help you with is HMO management and also HMO execution, meaning, that <laughs> sounds terrible, doesn't it? But uh, if you have a property that might be available for HMO, number one, my team will inspect it and give you a report on what they think you can and cannot do. Number two, they will analyze it from a legislative perspective and make sure that it would be compliant. Number three, they will put the tenants in the property, the right tenants in the property. Number four, they would then manage that HMO for you. House of multiple occupancy. 
They would then continually replace tenants as a tenant moves out, just so that you've always got a full up property, always producing income. And that's the key, isn't it, really? Why else are we doing this? And it's the same with holiday lets. I will either connect you with a holiday let management firm. I know really good holiday let managers around the country. So I will connect you with them if you're not in my region. If you are in my region, then I will link you up with my team who will be able to either advise you on how you can do it yourself, and there may be some support areas that they can help with, or manage the whole thing for you. And lastly, I talked about mortgages and insurances. If you need some advice on mortgages and insurances, just take it. Just take the advice. You can do what you want with that advice, but just take the advice in the first place. We're all, as investors and landlords, I hope you are continually trying to uh, learn about the industry, learn about other success stories and improvements that you can make and self-development and all, and changing your mindset, those sorts of things. This is another way. Learn about what you can and cannot do in mortgages and insurances purely and simply by talking to a mortgage advisor and an insurance advisor. Again, I will connect you up with mine. Um, no problem. You don't pay me for that. I just connect you up. It, it, it's all a network, isn't it? If I help you, you help me. You might be a customer, you might not. I'll help my mortgage guys, my insurance guys, my all of those people. Um, yeah. So look, hopefully that helps. And hopefully now you're thinking of a few different ways you can make profit, make more money um, and, and maximise your investment. Remember, there are loads of other strategies. Of course there are. I'm going to do some more videos on my YouTube channel. Um, which will have other strategies, some more complex ones as well. More profitable, but more complex. So until then, go get it, everyone. Hope you all have a great day. See you all later.